1: Southern Miss to the top. top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour.
2: Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're at First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us wherever you're tuning in today whether it be over the air or online uh, we're just glad that you're part of the eagle hour and we look forward to the show each and every day opening segment sponsored by dickie's barbecue pit proud supporters of our show and of course southern miss athletics they're open seven days a week delivering their great food through drive through and takeout uh, you can drive through the uh, drive through window and get it or they'll deliver it right to your home please so important to uh, support our local restaurants and That, of course, includes one of our favorites, Dickey's Barbecue Pit. All right, Russ Anderson, Associate Commissioner of Conference USA, is going to be joining the show here in just a bit to talk about uh, CUSA players entering the draft tomorrow night. Uh, Also be talking to Kelly Santer a little later. He's excited because his team gets the first pick. But first we want to go to our, our friend Dr. Mark Horn at South Central Regional Medical Center, very graciously comes on the show each week to update us on the COVID-19 situation. And, Dr. Horn, uh, thanks so much, first of all, for being on the show. I guess the first question of the day is uh, we're beginning to hear more and more about trying to get things going again, get the economy open, get life back to normal. Are we on track to do that, or perhaps, doctor, are we doing it too soon?
3: There are so many different opinions about this, and everybody – I tend to – I see both sides of the equation. Um, There is potential harm in opening up too quickly because the disease, the COVID virus, can spread more readily. There is harm to the economy, and there is real harm to, from a health care standpoint, to staying closed down because there are things that we would, that really patients should have done, that people should have done. Preventative medicine is shut down. Some urgencies that are not quite emergencies are being delayed, and that can result in harm. So there's two sides to the coin. And I fall into the camp of saying we need to begin to dabble our toes in the water of seeing what we can safely do. So um, I'm not for just throwing the gates wide open, but I am for very cautiously, very carefully uh, beginning to dabble uh, in opening some things up, the biggest concern is that if this were to follow the pattern of the nineteen eighteen influenza epidemic that was so we've heard so much about there is a second the potential for a second wave uh, that could be as bad or worse than the first wave. so we have to, we don't know this is an influenza and we don't know, but that's a concern, and the best way we can guard against that is to continue our aggressive measures to get testing right so that we can handle that, continue all the research that's going on about treatments, uh, continue to work on a vaccine, though that's almost certainly more than a year away, and then to do things very cautiously, not just to go out and say there's uh, no problem. We need to continue social distancing. Uh, it won't be back to normal, but we do need to get some things open.
2: And on an individual basis, what advice are you? can you give people today about, uh, you know, about, re-re-entering society, you know re uh, reinvolving themselves with interaction with their neighbors, their employers, their grocery stores the the people that are, are such a big part of their normal lives. is it too early to start doing that?
3: I think well, first off, there are certain groups of people who need to continue to um, essentially isolate themselves I'll use uh, my personal example my my mother who is chronically ill, um, I've talked to her, and she needs to continue to stay at home. And we need to be very cautious about who interacts with her. Uh, and so those things are going to continue. The people in our uh, communities that have chronic, uh, significant chronic illnesses, heart failure, Uh, Poorly controlled diabetes, morbid obesity, underlying lung disease, immunosuppression because of medicines that they take, you know, people who have organ transplants or diseases that diminish their immune system. They need to be on guard, and those people may not be able to get back out in the public sphere anytime soon. Um, I think we should, uh, as much as I'm a big fan of sports and and physical activity, um, for instance, Baseball leagues and soccer leagues. I think those should be put on hold for the time being. They're uh, not essential. Uh, they're they're wonderful things, but uh, I think they can be put off a bit longer. I'm not. I don't know how long, but a bit longer. Um, how people get back out in public. Uh, you know, we're not going to be uh, sitting right next to each other in the movie theaters or in the uh, bleachers. Uh, for quite some time yet so Mm. as we go back in the public there's still going to need to be this social distancing uh still need to be mask wearing uh but i think we can get to where we do more of it and more businesses can be open but we just have to think clearly through it and we're doing that in the hospitals we're actively planning in hospitals and clinics how to do more of the routine things and do them safely
0: Uh, luke talking to dr mark horn at the South Central Regional Medical Center. Doc, it's been tough, uh, really, these last two weeks. Um, I know we've been trying to take proper uh, COVID-19 guidelines and measures in the tornado relief. Is there a fear out there because of the influx of so many people that have been helping out with tornado relief? You know, you, you do the best you can, but I mean, you know, we got guys sweating down with chainsaws and heavy equipment. Has there been a, any type of talk that it might extend to Mississippi's, uh, you know, upticking cases because of the influx of the tornado relief response?
3: It is certainly, it has been a significant concern of ours, partly because of people coming from other areas. And those other areas, for instance, a lot of wonderful, wonderful volunteers came up from Louisiana. Well, uh, those who came from the New Orleans area, uh, you know, they've been, had a terrible outbreak there. So there's the idea that maybe people from other areas could have brought it in. And then, as you said, people are in closer proximity and it was very difficult uh, to practice. you know, the social distancing and wearing masks. Now, I will say, I I went out in the county to check on a piece of property that we had and drove by some, um, again, wonderful churches, people handing out meals, but even in that setting, people were not doing the best they could. They weren't wearing their masks. They weren't uh, trying to uh, control things as well as they probably could have. I I get it, uh, and I'm uh, thankful for all the help, but Uh, Yeah, we need to be careful of that. And anecdotally, I can't prove it, but I believe that we did have a bit of a bump locally. Um, We certainly had uh, more volume. Uh, We have more people in the hospital today with COVID than we did uh, about 10 days ago. It's not a huge number, but it is uh, a bit more.
0: Um, have we learned anything since we've spoken to you last week? Have we learned anything nationally, uh, you know, statewide, locally, more about the virus?
3: I think what we've learned is that it's more variable than we would hope. Uh, and by, by, that, by that I mean it's presentation. Uh, we've personally had cases here where the primary presenting symptom was uh, something that in medicine we call anosmia or loss of smell. Uh, I saw reports uh, in the past couple of days where there are some skin changes that can be seen in some patients. So, uh, you know, it's a humbling experience to have something like this, and you just have to remember to be flexible and, uh, as a physician, to be flexible and um, be willing to question your presumptions of what is and isn't uh, correct. So um, we're uh, the keys are still the keys the cough the dry uh, the uh, fever uh, the shortness of breath those are the vast majority of people but yeah people have some unusual symptoms and I guess that's the biggest thing we've learned.
2: Just a minute left we're gonna hold you over uh, if you've got if you can sit with us sure. uh, through a three minute break uh, minute left I- I- I'm looking out the window right now as I'm talking to you big grocery store right here in front of our station. I'm saying uh, 40% of the people coming in and out of the store are wearing masks. Are the people not wearing masks endangering other people and endangering themselves? How effective uh, uh, protection is the mask, Dr. Horn? And I may have to interrupt you. We've got about 45 seconds.
3: Uh, The mask is far from perfect. However, it is one of the best tools we have to prevent me from spreading it to someone else. And I may not know, as many as 50% of people don't know they have it, so, a mask is the, one of the best tools we have in public to keep uh, people who don't have symptoms from spreading it to others.
2: And what do you say to the people that refuse to wear them? Uh,
3: they they need to think about others more than they think about themselves. They uh, need to they need to think about others.
2: I think that's well put. All right, we're going to hold uh, Doctor uh, Horn over through this first break. Uh, completely continue with our questioning about COVID-19, what we can do to protect ourselves. Uh, When Dr. Horn thinks, maybe we'll see an end to this. So stay with us. Eagle Hour continues.
1: Hour. The Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the Top.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Bob and Luke, First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg this afternoon. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, CampusBookmark.net. The website is open for business. They have someone monitoring it uh, every day, so you can still order your favorite Southern Miss apparel and household accessories and whatever at campusbookmart.net. We're talking uh, to Dr. Mark Horn from South Central Regional Medical Center. We're going to keep you a couple of more minutes, Doc, and we appreciate uh, your time. Here's a question I want to ask you. As as we begin to open our economy back up, you're going to have businesses open up, and you're going to have people working at those businesses that have been without income that really need to go back to work, but they may be in that high-risk group. So how are employers going to – maneuver through that and how do how do the people that fall into that category what is your medical advice for them
3: these are really hard decisions um employers need to be sensitive and take i believe should take advantage of the uh programs that the government is offering to assist with uh just such things um some people are at such high risk that, it, that they just really can't. If you have an organ transplant and are immunosuppressed and you're working in the public, that was always a bit of a challenge in the best of times. So it continues to be a challenge now. If you have really advanced lung disease, perhaps you had a sedentary job, but it was in the public. That was always a problem. Uh, and now it's even more one. So I think people are going to have to make some really hard decisions. Um, employers? If you can uh, help that individual by modifying their work environment to make it less risky, um, people continue the uh, sanitation to sanitize your workspaces as much as you possibly can. Be aware of all the advice that's been given about how to prevent the spread of the disease, but you can't really control your customers very well. So if you're in a workspace where you've got coworkers around you, that you can probably have more control over. But when you're in dealing with the public, it's very difficult to control. Mm-hmm.
2: Give us a give us your best optimistic timeline when things will quote unquote get back to normal.
3: Oh, you that's <laughs> <laughs> okay, so with the idea that none of us know, but if you look at what the most uh respected experts in this area say, the Dr. Fauci's and other Top end epidemiologists and infectious disease experts say, from uh, the beginning of this in January to when we can say, "Hey, things are pretty much back to their copacetic and we're pretty much back to normal," I'd say probably eighteen months.
2: Wow, wow, that's not optimistic, Doctor.
3: Now <laughs> I, that doesn't mean we're going to be on lockdown for eighteen months. Okay, right. I want to I want to hasten to add: people shouldn't think we're going to be where we are right now for eighteen months, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a long time before – when pandemics like this come along, they don't just hit for a month or two and then go away. When they get to this level, they – we're going to be dealing with coronavirus for a very long time. It may become what we call endemic, uh, something that we deal with seasonally or even year-round. But we'll get more herd immunity, so it will become less of a deal. We'll eventually get – we pray and hope – uh, a vaccine. Uh, there should there are some really good leads on treatments, so it'll get to where we can manage it better. What's happened here is it hit so hard, so fast, and we ha- we're having a really hard time managing it. Mm-hmm. Once we get to where we can manage it, then uh, life can go back to something closer to normal. But that's going to be a while.
2: And, and you know, final question that I have for you today is that we hear so many people. I, I ha- had a very good friend of mine say this to me just a, a few days ago oh, well, the, the flu was worse than this, and, and the, the swine flu was worse than this, and I just think this is all being overblown. In layman's terms, doctor, why is this different than the swine flu or Ebola or, or, the, or, or the seasonal flu that, that we know takes a lot of human life?
3: Well, none of these are worse than Ebola. Now, Ebola had a mortality rate. Uh, if you got Ebola, you had a greater than 50, sometimes as much as 70% chance of dying. The saving grace there was Ebola was much harder to catch. Uh, as far as the other things, uh, swine flu and seasonal flu, um, there is some herd immunity to those. There is some uh, immunity to that in the, uh, in the population as a whole, which limits it so that it can't spread as widely as quickly. Um, a lot of people get uh, COVID-19, and they do just fine. The majority of people, the vast majority of people. The problem is, in the vulnerable populations, it can sweep through like wildfire. In nursing homes, it sweeps through and kills people with amazing uh, rapidity and severity. And all you have to do to say that this is not standard influenza and not the swine flu is look at places like northern Italy, New York City, and New Orleans. What happened in New York City and happened in New Orleans, is not something we see with influenza. We do not see health systems completely overwhelmed with vast uh, increases in people who are requiring uh, ventilators. So we just don't see that. Uh, I know the total numbers may not look great, but we're going to be looking back at this for many years, figuring out the things that we didn't see while we were in it or that we misunderstood, um, this story is not over by a long shot.
2: All right, Luke, something else for Dr. Horn?
0: Yeah, Doc, before we let you go, listen, on a positive note, tell us about uh, Fletcher's project and uh, Feed the Frontline, how well it's going.
3: Listen, it's been one of the brightest points. there. It, even in the darkest hours, there are these bright points that make you uh, – uh, help you to regain faith and confidence. One of those has been the response to the tornado victims, and that's an amazing to see volunteers from, come from all over and give of themselves. And then to see our community say, "You know what? We may not be able to do a lot of things, but one of the things we can do is we can help this young Boy Scout trying working on the Eagle Eagle project to help our healthcare workers. And so they've uh, he's at this point he's just over eleven thousand dollars. Initial goal wow. was $2,500. Uh, he raised almost $5,000 in less than 24 hours. And it just has continued to roll in. And it's a, a testament to our community and how much they care about their hospital and those who take care of them. And uh, to, um, it's just a testament to human uh, uh, the kindness of so many in our community. And I, I want to congratulate the community and our healthcare care team uh, here at South Central and other people that aren't, you know, we have independent physicians and other people who don't work with South Central in our community. They also are on the front lines, and so we are grateful to all of them.
2: Thank you so much, Dr. That's, his, uh, Eagle,
0: that's his Eagle service project, Dr. Horn? It is. Yeah, I'm an Eagle Scout, too. He'll have no problem with his Board of Review. Tell him congratulations ahead of time.
2: $11,000. That's amazing, Right. That's yeah. that's simply amazing. Well, Dr. Horn, we're very grateful for your contribution to our show. We we'll look forward to talking to you next week. But I want to make you one promise. When all of this is said and done, we're going to bring you back on the Eagle Hour and just let you spend the hour with us and talk sports. Would that be okay? Something happy for a change.
3: I, you know, I'd love to do that, but I may have to bring one of one or both of my sons with me because they're vastly better at it than I am.
2: <laughs> no problem, they're welcome as well. Doctor uh, Mark Horn, everybody, thank you, Doctor, and You're I hope we can talk to you again next week. South Central Regional Medical Center. Head of Madison, great guy, Luke Johnson. You guys over in Laurel are lucky to have uh, Dr. Horn in your community.
0: Just so transparent. and we were joking uh, in the show. We've got a listener, uh, and sometimes people hit me up on Twitter and, and thank us for the show. We've got a Bob, and, and bless his heart, but we have a Mississippi State fan who listens to us, and he lives in Arizona. And he has been singing the praises of Mark Horn. You know, we need a Horn segment. And I just want to commend Dr. Horn for two things that he's done number one available you know he wants people to understand secondly the ability to be able to he drops these medical terms and you know stuff that lauren will tell me and then she has to come back and explain it dr Warren is able to speak to ordinary dudes like you and me and put it in layman's terms and be able to apply it socially and culturally about what we need to be doing in our response
2: 100 percent. and yeah you told me about the guy from arizona and uh that's uh one of the many podcasts that the show can be heard on. Also, it streams live every day on the Super Talk uh, websites for Hattiesburg and Laurel. So, we really appreciate that getting uh, an increasing amount of uh, communication from people in other parts of the country. Kelly Sanders, right, man. This uh, internet thing's kind of weird. <laughs> Kelly doesn't believe Look, it's going to last, but I'm starting to think he's wrong about this, that.
0: This is where this is where Kelly has uh, has come about. Uh, the first few times that he was coming on the show regular with us, he still had an old flip phone. So now he's graduated. I think he has an iPhone 6 now. Yeah. So uh, Kelly, yeah. you're about 5 behind, but that's that's making progress. We're happy
2: for you. Yeah, well we really do appreciate Dr. Horn. He's uh, been very insightful and uh, you're right. I th- I think the best thing about him is that He explains things where guys like you and I can understand it, Luke, and that's probably getting it to the simplest denomination he can muster up, wouldn't you think?
0: I'm all about that. And we're about to take a commercial break. Coming back, we'll have Russ Anderson, Assistant Commissioner for Conference USA, and talk, talk maybe just a little COVID, but mainly talk about Conference USA prospects coming up in this week's NFL draft. So stick around. Russ Anderson from Conference USA will join us right after this on the Eagle Hour.
1: to To the top, you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour.
0: Greatly appreciate Dr. Mark Horn from the South Central Regional Medical Center in Laurel updating us with his weekly segment. Appreciate his time and his medical wisdom. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, just in the shadow of M.M. Roberts Stadium. And we greatly appreciate their support of the Eagle Hour. 8.95 lunch. Drive up on the curb. Let them provide you some of that great curbside service at 4th Street Bar and Grill in Hattiesburg. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg, and beautiful downtown Laurel joining us now on the phone, Russ Anderson, associate commissioner for Conference USA. And Russ, uh, we just want to ask—we just almost just a technical question. Uh, you know, get it out of the way. Conference USA continues to monitor uh, the COVID nineteen outbreak, and uh, it's just been a kind of weird. No spring games, no uh, spring football practices, uh, no track and field, no baseball. And I guess uh, you and and the, uh, the the brain trust there with Conference USA will. Just just continue to monitor the situation and later you know in in the spring or, or summer announce uh, the plan going into the fall yes
1: that, that's a pretty good synopsis yes we've been having a lot of video calls I mean well I didn't do a lot of video calls before about a month ago and now it seems like that's what I do all day um, but you know we've we've had a lot of discussions about um you know obviously we have to find some ways to save money you know due to lost revenue from uh, the NCAA basketball tournament not being played, our basketball tournament only uh, playing one day. Um, so we've got to find some ways to, uh, to uh, save some revenue. And so we're looking at ways to do that. And, um, you know, we're looking at a whole bunch of things. You know, you may see some different uh, scheduling formats. You may see some different formats for our conference championships, um, things like that. We haven't made any decisions yet, but we're, You know, taking a really good, healthy look at things and, and, you know, some of the changes may be temporary for a year or two while we get through this. Some may end up being more permanent. So there's still a lot to be decided. I think, you know, you're right, probably May, early June at the latest is when we would make the announcement of what such changes are going into place.
0: Just to follow up on that before we jump into the NFL draft, we, we uh, covered, a, uh, I guess, about a week or a week and a half ago. You know, the group of five on behalf of all uh, D1 programs, you know, sent the request to the NCAA. How involved was Conference USA, or specifically, how involved were you in that process submitting that to the NCAA?
1: Um, I was just involved in, in areas where it covered my sports, you know, basically football and baseball. Um, you know, a lot of the administrators for, for those sports, we. The football ones, we have a regular call with all five of the group of five conferences with their their reps, you know, to just discuss the issues that are happening and and maybe try and get some insight on on what leagues are doing because I think you know we're is not going to be the only league that makes uh, some changes here. This is going to be you know really around the country. This is going to happen in, in almost all of the conferences.
0: Right. Yeah. So let, let's, uh, let's talk NFL draft for us. And we've been waiting on this week because we have a sports event. It is here. It is the NFL Draft, and I think it's going to have like almost sub-Super Bowl ratings. We wanted to talk to you today about some of the best uh, Conference USA prospects who will hear their name called this week. And uh, one guy we were talking off air, we'll get into uh, some Southern Miss guys in just a second, but a guy that Southern Miss fans didn't like when we played Florida Atlantic. Harrison Bryant is kind of the consensus best prospect uh, coming uh, available for the, for the draft board. Could hear his name even called night one.
1: I have seen him projected um, in the first round in a couple of places, uh, which would really be outstanding. I mean, he, uh, he did win the John Mackey Award for the nation's best tight end, led the nation in uh, most statistical categories, certainly yards and catches. I know he did. Um, so, you know, he was really he was a great player in that Florida Atlantic uh, team that won the conference championship. And I would expect him probably to be the first player taken off the board, and hopefully that could be round one.
2: Mm, interesting stuff. How about Southern Miss kids? Uh, we obviously uh, have a have a wide receiver who left early to go into the draft. Did very very well in the combine. Uh, your thoughts about uh, seeing some black and gold kids uh, drafted?
1: Well, you know, certainly I think Tez Watkins, you know, is the should be probably the Southern Miss player that um, you know gets drafted or gets drafted for the first. I think certainly his speed that he showed. Uh, maybe turn some heads that didn't know a whole lot about him. Right. You know, we know the kind of plays that he made uh, the last three years in Conference USA for the Golden Eagles. Um, you know, I think he, you know, when you get that kind of speed, you get a chance now at the next level because the, the NFL is so much about uh, speed. So, you know, I hope to, that we get to see him, you know, somewhere in the middle of the The only thing maybe working against him at all is, I don't know that we've ever seen a, a draft that is as deep at wide receiver is what we're going to see this weekend. So mm-hmm. um, that may push them down the board a little bit, but hopefully not too far.
2: Right. What does the, or does the league uh, is the league able to do anything to promote its athletes to the NFL for the draft? Russ, or or, or do you not involve yourself in that?
1: It, it, to be honest, not a whole lot. You know, um, it really once they're done playing and they, it becomes more, you know, their agent and and that it really kind of does that work right. and. They, NFL teams doing their you know their own research and they're researching these guys you know two years ahead of time when they're out scouting so um, you know other than if they need some sort of piece of information, I'm glad to help, but mm-hmm. uh, not a lot as far as you know promoting to the NFL team
2: all right before I ask you this question, I'm gonna go on the record. I want you to relate to the audience how terribly horribly. Emphatically, we miss Southern Miss baseball here in South Mississippi. We're, we're kind of going through withdrawals that we never expected to have to deal with, Russ. Now, having yeah. having put that on the record, uh, <laughs> look ahead. We, we had a we had a young man on the show uh, this week who covered uh, the University of Wisconsin. He told us that he could envision Wisconsin football being played with no fans in the stands. Where do you What, do, what is your best guess as to what we're going to see when football season rolls around, Russ?
1: You know, it's really hard to guess. I mean, sitting here on April twenty second, we don't know what what's going to change by August or September. Um, you know, I do think that is a possibility that's out there that there we may have to play games, and maybe it's initially, uh, hopefully, it wouldn't be all season long. But you know, without having fans, I think that it's the great thing about college football is the fans and the atmosphere that's created there right. but at the same time you know from a financial standpoint we need to get these games played and so if we have to play start in september without fans that just may be where we have to go until it's completely safe for for fans to be a part of the stadium process
2: it's a big part of the revenue though is it not and uh how how well would you fare uh putting those games on if, if they were just televised or streamed games
1: um, you know, obviously, you'd lose money on, on that when you don't have fans that are buying the tickets and buying the concessions and that. Um, but at the same time, it is so crucially important for the football season to be played because the football revenue is so much larger than the basketball revenue. Right. And we're already we're seeing you know the repercussions of this by not having the NCAA basketball tournament. Well, if we don't have the CFP and the, the bowl games and that, it's going to be worse.
2: Yeah, and we've we've toss this around on the show money of course is relative in a lot of in you know in a lot of cases so we we've tried to put our finger on who suffers the most financially is it the power five schools whose sports generate more money i guess it's fair to say or is it the group of five schools who don't have the financial resources that some of the power five schools have who gets who gets hit the hardest russ
1: well, I think you know part of that answer is everyone, because even at Power Five schools, there's going to be some changes or repercussions that have to happen, you know, to student athletes in certain sports. You know that you know we may, uh, you know, we've had a couple schools that have dropped sports around the country. Um, n- none, none in the Power Five just yet, um, but you know that's something that could happen more. Obviously, if you're you know like the SEC and and you take home a really large paycheck every year, the damage may not be as bad as you know, a league like Conference USA or the other group of fives. That's just the financial difference of what you make each year would, would kind of answer that, that the impact could be harder for the group of five.
2: Right, right. But then in a sense, right. I guess their expenses are sometimes more. Am I correct?
1: That, that can be true, yes. Yep, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Well, it's very odd times, obviously, and uh, we're glad you're safe, and uh, I guess you're working from home like everybody else, huh?
1: Spend a lot of time in the, uh, my dining room table during the day, and I move about eight feet over at night uh, to the couch. So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> All right, Russ. I, I,
1: I wish I was on here talking about the, the CSA baseball championship a month from now. That would have been a lot more fun than COVID-19.
2: Yes. No, no question. But, my friend, we're always uh, glad to talk to you, and we appreciate the uh, – All the times that you come on our show, you always have time for us, and we're grateful. Hope you stay safe and hope the next time we talk, uh, we're talking about happier things, Russ. That
1: sounds good. You guys stay safe as well.
2: All right. Russ Anderson, everybody, who is the Associate Commissioner of Conference USA for football and baseball, a guy in the know, and uh, you heard it from him right now. uh, No real answers about what we're going to see this fall. One thing we do know for sure, we're going to talk to Kelly next. so you don't want to miss that. You never know how that will turn out. Stay with us.
1: Southern Miss to the top.
0: Toyota of Hattiesburg brings us the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day. You can check them out online. The entire inventory, new, pre-owned, certified Toyota vehicles at toyotahattiesburg.com or on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and downtown Laurel. Kelly john Sander joining us on the phone now. Kelly, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, made a very important phone call recently, and uh, you're here to let us know what was on that phone call. I think you, you, you either you were flying fly on the wall or you found some way to tap that, that phone line. We won't tell the Bengals about that, but what was the, uh, the content of that call?
4: Well, it's official now, Luke. The Cincinnati Bengals have called Joe Burrow and have officially informed him that he will be their number one pick tomorrow night. And not that that's any surprise, but now that they have officially called him and and they they figured, you know, this is a good time while he's already on lockdown and can't go anywhere.
2: Um, <laughs> like running <and> hard.
4: <laughs> <laughs> to go ahead and tell him that he, he will be the number one pick um, in tomorrow oh. night's NFL draft. Again, no no surprise there. The New Orleans Saints, meanwhile, this is also breaking. The New Orleans Saints coach Sean Payton has told his players there will be no off-season workouts of any kind, no virtual workouts, no computer workouts, nothing. He said just take care of your families and report back to camp at the last week in July, and you better come back, quote, in the best shape of your life. So. The Saints are shutting it completely down until the end of how July. How
0: much of that has to go with the fact that Peyton actually, you know, he contracted COVID-19, you think?
4: Well, I think part of it has to do, too, with the politics of the city of New Orleans. I mean, the, you know, the, the right, mayor there has said, you know, no gatherings of any kind until 2021. So, um, and, and really, there's still some uncertainty as, as to whether the NFL season is going to take place. You sure would think that it would, because there's just, too much money to not be made there, you know, if it can be done safely. and You've still got some months in the bag here to try to be able to figure things out. But meanwhile, on the college front, you guys, add Boise State to the number of dominoes that begin to fall. Boise State's president has furloughed the coaching staff of the football program. They are now furloughed. They are not working as a cost-cutting measure. The president said that the 85% of Boise State's athletic budget is made during the football season, and she's not convinced that college football is even going to happen this fall. So the Boise State football coaches, uh, for the time being, are without work. So it's football and baseball, everything is, the whole landscape is changing as we speak. And, of course, Major League Baseball announced that it is cutting some 40 minor league teams from the minor league system there were 160 some minor league teams you know rookie leagues all the way up to triple a but those are going to be cut back um permanently from 160 to 120 so that's going to mean fewer and fewer spots for guys uh, to be drafted cost cutting measures here we go
2: yeah i think we've lost baseball don't you kelly
4: well the commissioner you know Rob Manfred still is convinced that they're going to have some kind of 2020 season. It it's obviously going to be like nothing we've ever seen if it happens. Mm-hmm. But he's bound and determined and now the the three state plan of Florida, Texas and Arizona is what they're trying to gravitate toward but again uh, I think the players have kind of given up playing in front of fans but now it's just a matter of safety for everybody involved. Right, right. So but but all of this is you know, like I so said, with baseball, trimming 40 minor league teams, all of these going forward, this, this whole situation we're in right now is changing the entire face of sports as we will see it now and in the future, 100%.
2: No question about it, and there doesn't seem to be any real end in sight. You know, there's uh, – well, I, there I, I don't is think some, there's any magic bullet out there.
4: There is some late-breaking news, though, Bob, That once a vaccine is found, the U.S. government has forged a partnership with Chick-fil-A, that once the vaccine is found, everyone will be vaccinated within a two-hour period in this country simply by going through the drive-through <laughs> at their local Chick Fil yeah,
2: A. That's That's where everybody's at. That's for sure. I've never <laughs> oh, fully man. understood that, but that is where everybody's at. There's you know, no they, question.
0: They say that they they say they've trained those managers, you know, with like Army Ranger School training. Whatever Chick Fil A does, uh, I, I think there's two sides of that. Maybe the military training, uh, you know, trained them, but the bureaucracy of the government should go eat at Chick Fil A every. Day and watch how efficiently things can be done
2: uh, one one last question to both of you guys with the draft tomorrow night we're going to see joe burrows drafted and then chase young or is are we going to see the best offensive player available and the best defensive player available selected in the first two picks first you kelly yes luke thankfully the jets aren't picking either one of those so the question or the
0: answer would be yes
4: Hey, Luke, Luke, I want to ask you right quick before we go. Where, where, where do you predict Quez is going to go? Quez Watkins.
0: I think he's going to be a fourth-round pick, uh, maybe a third-round pick. His speed may get him in the third round. But Russ Anderson brought it up, too. It, this is a really crazy, deep, wide receiver class.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's going to hurt him. But his stock has gone up, certainly, since the combine. And, and we wish him the best of luck, man.
2: Yeah, let's just be glad that we're going to see something involving sports tomorrow that we don't already know how it's going to turn out.
4: Well, but you know, the yes. the NFL's kind of on the clock because they've never done a virtual draft. So you don't know right. if the are going to screw up. Who knows? But I'm ready for it. Let's go.
2: Speaking of the NFL, former NFL quarterback and now NFL quarterback coach Austin Davis on the show Friday afternoon. So we, uh, we look Boy, forward man, to we, that.
4: We get all the great
2: ones. I'm telling all you, we do, my man. And uh, Kelly will be back with us tomorrow as well at 1 o'clock. Speaking of great ones, until then, everybody, Southern Miss.
0: To the, the top
3: keeps on slipping,
0: slipping, slipping into the
2: future I wanna fly like an eagle to the sea, fly like an eagle, let my carry me. I wanna
3: fly like an eagle to I'm a tree. I want to
0: shine